and Beauty Podcast starts right now. To another edition of the Asman and Budic Show, I'm Jake Asman. He's Dan Budic. NFL free agent frenzy is underway at 4 p.m. Eastern today when we sat down and started thinking about, hey, maybe we should do a podcast when the dust settles after day one. Well, what a day one it was. Day, day really. one is almost over as we sit here at 6.50 p.m. Pacific time. We're hoping to get this up. So by the time you're hearing it, maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick will resign with the Jets. Maybe not. But we're going to cover everything that went down on day one of free agency. Obviously, we're out here in Los Angeles. So we'll start with that, Dan. It was a little weird having the free agent frenzy start up at 1 p.m. Compared to, you know, normally it'd be at 4 o'clock Eastern. You get ready. But here I woke up. I... Hung out a little bit. on the West Coast. It's always earlier. And And that doesn't include include free agency. Everything's earlier here on the West Coast. Boom. It just started up. And we had the day one of the NFL free agent frenzy, as we were saying. I think typically, you know, everyone says it was a wild first day. Every year, the first day of free agency is wild. You know, Dan, I find it weird that... These deals get done so quickly. I know, right? At 401, I mean, we have but, eight tweets but, from Adam Schefter. Yeah, but I just feel like like last year, too, and the year before, I really every year since I've been following NFL, I feel like there's just – every year it's like, what a wild first day of free agency. Every – with the way it's structured and the way that you could contact with the players a couple of days before and every deal gets done basically within the first four days prior to the first day of free agency today officially beginning – all these deals get done already. It's always a wild first day of free agency. And doesn't it doesn't it just feel like a spectacle? Like ESPN's doing four hours of pregame well, they, coverage well, for know, the, well, the deadline. You know what? They really have to. I mean, if they want to be in, you know, if you want to be in on this, and the way it works in the NFL, these deals just keep pouring out the first day. Well, my favorite part about the free agent frenzy is if you watch the ESPN Curry, you watch NFL Network, you have Ian Rappaport, he's checking his phone while he's on the air. Same with Adam Schefter, Ed Werder. Ed Werder does another, the same. Another guy that, you know, if you call Ed Werder while he's on the air, he's checking his phone mid-broadcast. It doesn't matter if he's, Susie Colbert's talking. Oh, no, they'll they'll answer the phone, and we've seen it a couple of times. With Ed today, and notice he took a phone call, Adam's on the fight. It, it's funny because it looks like they're being so rude when Susie Culber or Trey Wingo hosting NFL Live is talking and they're just on the phone. They're just texting oh, they away. Care. They don't care. Blackberry. Adam's in another world. Adam's they're got all, two phones. He's, he's got, got four phones. assistants. Yeah. Oh, it's, How much deodorant do you think that man has to wear today? Oh, he must be sweating a he lot. He must be sweating. He, I mean, his imagine his fingers, the what's cramps. His, what's his data plan? He's got a big data plan. I would think he probably has unlimited data somehow. Calling, texting, the whole oh, yeah. thing. And I'm sure. What if the ESPN Wi-Fi went well, down do you today? Know what I, do you know Boom. what? I, I would honestly, I wouldn't bet against. I'm sure ESPN pays for a plan for him. Oh, for a phone. if you're paying him I mean, that yeah, kind of money sure, to get it first. I'm sure he has a per, one of his phones is just an ESPN phone where people, where like agent, like random agents or, you know, insiders will contact or people he gets his inside info will contact him. Yeah, absolutely. And what a day it was. We were just kind of talking about it. The big story, I think the story that a lot of people are going to run with is the fact that we know Peyton Manning retired and we'll talk about Manning. We'll talk about Calvin Johnson as well later on in the show, but Peyton Manning retires. We all knew it was coming. We all assumed Brock Osweiler would be the guy that would well, be the quarterback. All of a sudden, we find out today, maybe it didn't end so well in Denver. Bitterness about being benched. He goes to the Houston Texans, so that's probably the biggest national story. But we'll start with the Giants because they pulled a 2015 Mike McCagan Jets and they opened up the checkbook. They spent over $200 million today. On, Not all guaranteed money, but Of course, still. of course. You know, they spent a lot of money that will rebuild one of the worst defenses my eyes have ever seen last year. Jerry Reese knows he's on the hot seat. 
probably knows he shouldn't have a job right now. He's very fortunate to have one. And the Giants, with their $60 million in cap space, were able to sign Damian Harrison from the Jets. They signed Vernon from the Dolphins. They did a great job signing the Rams corner to big money, over $60 million guaranteed. So bringing in Jenkins to help that defense. And they still have a lot of work to do. They also brought back Victor Cruz on a low-risk, high-reward type of deal. Big day one for the Giants, and obviously we knew they were going to spend money, but it happened right out of the gate. Yeah, it really did, and I think the Giants kind of knew that. And the thing was, and we talked about this when the Giants decided to hire McAdoo and keep Reese and let Coughlin go a couple of months ago, that well, they're all in with Jerry Reese, and it's going to be Jerry Reese to rebuild this team. He'll get a year or two to, to put a team on the field and try to put a championship team on the field. And I think first things first was that defense, and, and no surprise the Giants are addressing those needs. You said it before. You said it before, Jake, the Giants addressed those needs early on in free agency here on the first day with defense. No surprise there, just because that defense was so bad last year. It was it was really unwatchable. The games that they blew at the end with the defense, the, whether it was the Patriots game, the Falcons game. I mean, you could list the games, whether because of clock management issues or poor defense, mainly both would cost the Giants games. They took care of the coaching. They went with McAdoo. They relieved Tom Coughlin of his duties, or he resigned. We don't even know what the story is with Tom Coughlin, but the bottom line is new head coach, and now they're addressing those needs on defense. They spent a lot of money. They got to get results, because I'm telling you, if for some reason this year the Giants go 6-10, and 7-9, and nine, I got to see. I don't know how you can keep Jerry Reese on the payroll as this team's GM. And what the problem with that is if they do go, you know, 6 and 10 or 7 and 9, then you're going to get rid of the you GM get- and keep the coach. So they buy they bought into Jerry Reese for at least another two seasons. And of course, that's what happens when you hire a new head coach like they did in Ben McAdoo. In this case, promoted Ben McAdoo from the offensive coordinator spot. But what the Giants did today was needed. Yes, they gave out the biggest contract to a defensive player ever when they signed Vernon away from the Dolphins to be on that defensive line for the Giants. But I thought the JPP move was good as well. You get him $10.5 million. Yes, it's a lot of money. Yes, there are concerns about his hand from the fireworks incident. But you saw it last year, Dan. When he was on the field, he did a lot better helping that defense. They were awful either way, but he made them a lot more respectable than they were. He contributed. I think that was a good move. But what all these moves to me signal for Jerry Reese and the Giants is, hey, we have Eli Manning. We have about a four-year window to win with this guy. We just gave him the big money to bring him back. We have Odell Beckham Jr. right now. We're bringing back Victor Cruz. The Giants' offense last year wasn't the problem. It was the defense. They're all in fixing this defense, trying to find a way to get Eli Manning one more shot at another ring. They didn't have a choice. They made the big moves today. Good day one for the Giants, but we all know it. I mean, Jerry Reese will ultimately be defined by what he does in the draft. The Giants, oh yeah, they had the number 10 overall pick. Today was a nice start, but we knew they couldn't be any worse. And they were uh, legally obligated to spend the money they spent today through the CBA. They had $60 million, so we knew they were going to spend. Well, they have to do it all today, but... Exactly. Good first step for the Giants. Moves they needed to make, no question about it. You alluded to Olivier Vernon. Five years defensive end. They got him over from the Dolphins, signed him today. Five years, $85 million, $52 million guaranteed. Man, that just goes to show you how pressed the Giants were to get defensive help right away. 
couple of uh, really an hour earlier. They take Damon Harrison away from the New York Jets. He stays in New Jersey, but heads over to the Giants. They made a lot of good moves today, and again, build on this, build on it going forward, and uh, finish addressing the needs on defense, linebacker, safety, the other cornerback position. What are the Giants going to do there? Today was certainly a good start. Well, they certainly don't need Craig Dahl patrolling their secondary. They need to still add a safety. They still need to add a linebacker. But I thought all along Damian Harrison, Snacks, of course, his nickname, would be a really good fit for the Giants. So I thought that was a good move by the Giants bringing him in. He's a guy that could play in a 3-4. He could play in a 4-3. He'll shift over to the 4-3 in Steve Spagnuolo's defense. But listen, he's a good football player, an outstanding nose tackle. That will help the Giants be able to stop the run. You think Vernon and, of course, um, JPP should be able to get after the quarterback. And hey... Their defense can't be any worse. The key for the Giants now is to have a good draft and build on what they did day one. But, I mean, we spent all last year talking about the Giants' defense on the radio show. They were awful. They can only go up from here, and I think they spent the money wisely. But, hey, we've seen free agency. You can't just win on free agency alone. You have to draft well. You have to trade, find good trades like the Jets did last year with Brandon Marshall right, and dime, Ryan Fitzpatrick. in the rough. They hit twice last year. And I think those are the moves that, that separate general managers. Not necessarily pouring out the money for you know a defensive end or a corner. It, it's whether can you take a, dra- a fifth or sixth round draft pick Take a chance on a guy, and that, and are you taking the right chance? Does it click? Well, just look at the Giants' Super Bowl teams. Not let's give they Jerry did. Jerry's yeah, credit. Absolutely, that's how they won, and he came very close to losing his job. But it's hard to say I'm that surprised with what the Giants did because you knew they were going to spend money. It was I thought a very good move to get snacks because they were rumored to be interested. But then we heard they were throwing money at Charles Johnson, Mario see, Williams. Good move bringing and in Damian Harrison. When you see the Giants in free agency this aggressive. They're usually they're looking they're looking to add, but they're never this aggressive. They're never first day jumping, signing three guys aggressive. That that's not usually their style. You could tell they're pressed and they want to win. And Jerry Reese's job is on the line. No question about it. And one more point on the Giants and what they were doing. And we kind of just touched on this before, but they had the tenth overall pick. If they're serious about winning right now because of the window, don't be surprised if they trade that pick. You're right. And maybe try they, and get another player. And maybe they could make, maybe they could find a trade in that with that pick in the next. Three weeks, four weeks. Move down in the draft. Before we get to Stockpile assets. Or you never know. Maybe a, a team likes a player in the top 10 looking to jump to the Giants and make a move. And one of those teams I've heard rumored, hey, what if the Jets call the Giants and say, 10th overall pick, you give us Muhammad Wilkerson? I wouldn't make that move from the Jets. Well, maybe. I don't think I'd make that move. Well, the trade. Jets then don't have to pay Muhammad Wilkerson. The Giants wouldn't. I mean,. It's crazy to think about because we just saw I, I just don't, the deals given out today. But no, that, right. that has been rumored in the past. Well, I, I just wouldn't trade Muhammad Wilkerson. I wouldn't right either. I think you, you got him. I would try to work out an extension with him. Hopefully he gets healthy. But I, I'm not looking to trade Muhammad Wilkerson right now. Not after just losing Damon Harrison to the Giants. No question about it. And let's get to the Jets now. We just heard us talking about Muhammad Wilkerson. Big news from the Jets is, well, really, they haven't re-signed Ryan Fitzpatrick. They let him hit the open market. We'll touch on Fitz in just a second. But good move, I thought, after they lose Chris Ivory, you bring in Matt Forte, a guy that can contribute, help you win right now. Yes, he's a little bit older than Ivory. He's going to be age 30 when the season starts. But Matt Forte is a really solid football player, and he fits perfectly with what the Jets like to do with the slip screens, dumping it off to the running back. Forte known for his pass-catching abilities, and hey, they got him $2 million cheaper than what Chris Ivory would have costed this team. And listen, in a salary cap era in the National Football League, you got to be worthy about that. Is Chris Ivory worth investing? You know, four years, 
guaranteed money, $6 million. Is it worth that for a guy like Chris Ivory when you can get, you said it, Matt Forte, three years older, yes, but still has a lot in the tank, as shown last year. He could still play. He's still a very good running back in this league. A lot of people think he's a much better running back than Chris Ivory is and is more suitable for the Jets' offense. You're right. He could catch passes out of the backfield. He can be a multi-purpose back for the Jets. Next thing is, what do you do as a third down back? Do you bring back Bilal Powell, or do you look elsewhere? That's the next question at the running back position. The no Jets. question about it. And I'll say this about Chris Ivory. He was a good Jet. He had a couple of really nice years, made the Pro Bowl his final year, finally went over 1,000 yards. I think with Matt Forte, and I, you know, I think there's a misconception about Matt Forte just be- just because he's age 30. You know, the guy's missed only eight football games in the last eight years. He's a durable player. When he's on the field, he's an impact player. Very good job, I thought, by McKagan responding well to losing Chris Ivory, who's a good player. But, you know, Dan and I are, are both huge Jeff fans. If you're listening to this, you know that. If you watch Chris Ivory every single game, he's at his best earlier on in the season than he is later. Well, he kind of wears down as the season goes and on. And that really showed this year. You remember the first four or five games he was running. I mean, he was relentless. He was leading the league in rushing. He carried the, first the Jets weeks. the first six weeks of the year. And then, you know, he had his hamstring issues. He wasn't the same player down the stretch. And I don't think any of it is more evident than if you look at the last game, week 17 against the Bills. It was Bilal Powell getting every touch. It wasn't even Chris Ivory. They didn't even trust Ivory with the football. I think Ivory only had eight handoffs in the final game of the season when the Jets were in a win-and-in scenario. And I think that just goes to show you the value of the back. I think towards the end of the season, Bilal Powell was just more valuable to the Jets just from his skill set than Chris Ivory. And I would I think, find a way to bring Bilal Powell back. And that back. same skill set, I think, is in Matt Forte. It's a perfect fit. You're right. In an ideal world, if the Jets can bring back Bilal Powell at a reasonable price, you got to think about doing it just because he was such a big impact. last. Really, that last five-game winning streak they had at the end of the season, he was a big part of it. Something to consider as well, Dan. Jets had the 20th overall pick. Some think Ezekiel Elliott, Mel Kuyper, and his latest mock draft thinks that the former Ohio State running back, and obviously we know Elliott, if you watch college football, he's an outstanding football player, won the national championship with the Buckeyes. If he's on the board, would you take him and maybe pair him with Matt Forte? Certainly something to consider if you're the Jets. I think I would definitely consider it, but it really depends on what their draft board is. At, at 20, if Ezekiel's there, is he their best guy on the board? And t- what they do at, in the free board. agency. I mean, it's no secret. The Jets need to find an edge rusher and a linebacker to put some speed in this defense that they were very good last year. But for them to be great, take that next step, they got to get to the quarterback more consistently. I think if Ezekiel Elliott is the best player on their board at 20, I think they'll take him. Because remember last year, they went and took Leonard Williams at 6. A lot of people didn't think they were going to take Leonard Williams at 6 just because they already had Damon Harrison and Muhammad Wilkerson, or Sheldon Richardson, excuse me. Oh, no, no, Leonard Williams. There were talks that they wouldn't take Leonard Williams at 6 because they had Sheldon Richardson. They had Damon Harrison. They had Muhammad Wilkerson already. And what did Mike McGagan say after the draft? He said, well, we took, we took uh, Leonard because he was the best player on our draft board. If at number 20, the best player on their draft board is Ezekiel Elliott, they might snag him. No question. We saw last year, yeah, Leonard Williams, who some thought might be the best talent in the draft, fell to the Jets. Hey, what do you know? The Jets, they weren't afraid to take him. That worked out pretty well. Year one for Leonard Williams. The big story with the Jets, though, and it's what we've been it's talking fits. about for a while, it's who's going to play quarterback. And It's got to be I fits. still think it it's ha- going to be fits. It, they don't have a choice. But they I will have s- to get fits. I will say this. you know, We talked about Brock Osweiler, and we're certainly going to touch on that, but him going to the Texans now opens up a spot in Denver for Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's scary. I don't know what's going to happen. It's true, too. I still think he'll be a Jet. Don't get me wrong, but 
boy, Fitzpatrick makes a lot of sense for the Broncos, doesn't he? He does make perfect sense for the Broncos, and I was saying this earlier. He comes to a team with an elite defense like we saw, very good receivers, solid, decent running game. They can run the football when they have to. You know what the Broncos are? A better version of the Jets. No, they are, and we talked about that. We talked about it on the show last semester, how the Broncos, and if the Jets were to play the Broncos in the playoffs, if it happened to unfold like that, it would be a pretty good matchup because both teams going into – uh, January were pretty evenly matched. We know the Broncos got hot and won the Super Bowl, of course. But going into the final months of the season, the Jets were very comparable with the Denver Broncos, who won a few more games than them. I think personally, you look at um, you look at Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's a great fit in New York. He would be a great fit in Denver. And with the quarterback play the Denver Broncos got last year, an underperforming Peyton Manning, and really above-average quarterback play by Brock Osweiler. Well, the Jets got better quarterback play than both those guys gave the Denver Broncos, and the Broncos won a Super Bowl. So I think Ryan Fitz, I think it's foolish to say Ryan Fitzpatrick is not an option in Denver. I don't know what their cap situation is, their money situation, but from a player standpoint, it's an excellent fit, and I think he's the best quarterback that they, could, that they have on the market. And as a Jet fan, that's scary because... The Jets need a quarterback, and the Jets can't afford to lose Ryan Fitzpatrick. They don't have another option. And here's the thing I've been saying about this whole Fitzpatrick contract situation. Yeah, you don't want to overpay for guys, but, I mean, Brock Osweiler, who has started seven career games, scary. just got $18 million a year. You have to pay for talent, and I'm not saying go out and give Ryan Fitzpatrick five years at $18 million a year. I think that's ridiculous. He's a little older. It's different. I think Fitz wants to be in New York. He obviously has great chemistry with Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker. Everything came together. He knows the offense with Chan Gailey. It makes all the sense in the world to bring him back. And I have a lot of faith in Mike McCagan. He was the executive of the the year last year for a good reason. He knows the market. He knows the value of Ryan Fitzpatrick. And yeah, there can always be a team that will just throw out a ton of cash and bring in someone. But I feel pretty good that the Jets, at the end of the day, are going to be able to work something out with Ryan and bring him back. Because at the end of the day, the best situation for Ryan Fitzpatrick is the one he has right here in New York. It, well, I don't know. I look at that situation in Denver, and if he if they pay him a decent amount of money, it can be very appealing because of the fact that they're coming off the Super Bowl win. And he can say, you know what? I threw 31 touchdown passes last year. But does he want to go on to his fourth team in six years, well, move his family again? He's got four young kids. No, you're right. You're right. It's a lot to think about. But, you know, money speaks. And if they, no if question. the Denver Broncos are willing to pay him, well, the Jets I can can't see him be hopping cheap well, the Jets have to keep pace because when you look at the, the, the contracts these quarterbacks are getting, you look at the fact that this year— Brock Osweiler is making upwards of $19 million. And Sam Bradford got $22 million guaranteed. But ha- like Brock Osweiler is not worth that kind of money, but this is what you have to pay for quarterback play. I think you got to guarantee, you got to give Fitz at least three years. You're talking $12, $13 million a year. And I don't have a problem but, with that. But that's what it's going to take. Yeah, I, you know what I would do? I'd front load it. I would give him big money in first and second year. You give him two guaranteed years and then say, hey, you know, after that, we'll work something out with incentives or work something out with a prorated to. bonus. You have to be creative here. I'm not going to pretend to be a GM. I'm not. Mike McCagan is. Last year, I watched him work magic in free agency, worked some magic in the draft, and acquire Brandon Marshall and Ryan Fitzpatrick for seventh and fifth round picks, respectively. I feel pretty good that the Jets will be able to work this out. I'm not ready to panic just because Ryan Fitzpatrick hit the market. One thing I like about this situation is the fact there haven't been very many leaks. In the past, the Jets are always leaking information. Information about the Jets is always getting out. With this new regime, it's very concealed, very close-buttoned. I think the Jets and Fitzpatrick will work something out. I have confidence in McKagan, and I think at the end of the day, 
Ryan liked being in New York, had the chemistry with the receivers. The team loves him. He was a leader, and he had his best year. I don't think he's just going to bolt and go somewhere else. I, normally, I agree with you, but I just think you look at the market for the quarterbacks, I think it's, it, it wouldn't surprise me if Denver offered him a nice contract and he jumped ship. A lot of people didn't think a couple weeks ago Brock Osweiler would hit the free agent market and really test waters. And look at him. He's got a multi-million dollar deal for five years, and he's headed to Houston. And two week, three weeks ago, it was a fact that he was going to be the heir apparent to Peyton Manning in Denver. I, I think things can change quickly in this league, and I think money speaks. Hopefully it's not the case. I really hope the Jets do re-up with Ryan Fitzpatrick, because, Jake, we talked about this. There's no other options. It is lean for quarterbacks. If you are looking outside of Ryan Fitzpatrick, I mean, then you start getting into the Robert Griffin the third conversations, and that is scary as heck. When you're starting to talk about giving that guy $10 million, he hasn't played in two years. No chance I'm giving him money. And no chance I'm starting Geno Smith. That's so then why what, what do the, hypothetically, what do you do if you're the Jets and Ryan Fitzpatrick goes elsewhere? What I would do if I'm the Jets it's the, a scary is, thought. The, is the following things. You either, let's say Price Petty's ready. I would go to Petty before I'd go to Geno. That's how much I, I do, just don't believe in Geno well, Smith. Well, I agree with you, but you got to bring someone in. No question. And I would, I would sign, I would try and sign an RG3 if I can get him for, for less than $10 million, though, Dan. I'm not paying him $10 million. He hasn't played in two years. If I can get about one year, $5 million with incentives, I would do something well, like I, that. I, I don't know. Which it's, is what the Broncos hard, are rumored the, to maybe well, do. Well, it's hard to get a read on the market just because a guy like Brock Osweiler is getting so much. How much is RG3 going to get? Because he is valuable in this market. He's very valuable in this market. Oh, so he'll absolutely get a job somewhere. No, he's going to get a job somewhere, but I'm saying— And he'll do, make good money. Do, Backups make good money in the NFL. He could be a starter. And he might—exactly. St- he, he could might be start. a starter. He could be—the market for quarterbacks is so slim. He could be signed, and would it be so far-fetched to say that he could be guaranteed a starting job by no, a team? No, not at all. And that's why I just think at the end of the day, the Jets will get to a point where they're desperate to make a deal work because we just laid out the scenarios. Yes, I think RG3 still has something left in the tank. I don't want anywhere near my team. And in the right system, he could be successful. But you know, you're know, you not just going to give someone the keys to a 10-win football team that has a lot of question marks. You know, I know what Ryan Fitzpatrick is, and you could say maybe last year was a bit of an aberration. Okay, well, you know what? He still threw 31 touchdown passes, and even if he was a game manager, he reverts back to a guy that maybe gives you 20 touchdowns and only 10 interceptions. That's good enough with this defense to once again win 10 games. And if you win 10 games in the NFL, besides this past year with the Jets— you usually go into the playoffs. And and this is a win-now team. They have veterans all over this roster. You're not rebuilding. You're not handing it back to Geno Smith to see what he has. They're in a spot, and we've said it. They need to make this work. They don't have any other real options if they let Fitzpatrick go somewhere else. And I think if we're saying this, I think Mike McCaggan's smart enough to know that too, and, and we'll get a deal done. They They really need to bring back Ryan Fitzpatrick. like It's imperative that he comes back because you saw how good this offense can be when he's throwing a Brandon Marshall, he's throwing Eric Decker, now you add Matt Forte to the mix. All of a sudden, you know, you have a pretty complete offense. Fitzpatrick got better as the season went well, on he, as No, well. absolutely. He got more comfortable. The Jets bought him some more time in the pocket. They protected him better later in the season. And let's be honest, he was throwing to... Two of the better receivers in football, and, and they both had great years. And I'll make the case that the Jets' offense can be just as good, if not better, next year when you insert a guy like Matt Forte, when you have a guy like Devin Smith and a Nunwa that could develop with another year of playing in this offense. 
What do they do in the draft? Maybe they improve there. You know, the Jets' offense could be pretty good if they bring back Ryan Fitzpatrick. We know the defense will be very good, led by Revis, led by bringing back Mo Wilkerson. You still have Sheldon Richardson. We can go through the defense. They're good. They're a good defensive team. The key for the Jets is to get their starting quarterback back, and that's obviously Ryan Fitzpatrick. They need to find a way to make it work. They really do. Yeah, we talked about it a second ago. Brock Osweiler, five-year contract. Upwards of over $70 million to join the Houston Texans. Broncos also lost Danny Trevathan today. He'll, he joins John Fox, his former coach from last year in Denver. He joins him in Chicago. And they lost Malik Jackson. They lost Malik Jackson. All of a sudden, Broncos, some pieces are falling off that defense. But not the main pieces, but, you know, complementary pieces to a Super Bowl winning team. Well, it just shows you how hard it is to win multiple championships in the NFL. I mean, there's a reason why we haven't had back-to-back Super Bowl winners since the New England Patriots did it back in, what was it, 04 and 05. It's a long time you know, ago. It takes, it's a much different league it, It's totally different. You look, at the, you look at the landscape of the salary cap and the CBA and how it affects uh, roster turnover. I mean, every year, 30% of your roster gets flushed down the toilet and, and reshuffled around with different players. You know, the bottom line is, for a team like Denver, they got their ring. You know, that was was so important. They got to two Super Bowls with Peyton. He rides off into the sunset, and we'll talk about him in the next segment. But it's tough to keep a championship team together. Guys want to get paid, and you know what? Can you fault anyone who wants to make some money while they're playing one of the most violent sports on the planet? You can't. And Chris Ivory, by the way, $10 million guaranteed on his five-year $32 million deal with the Jags. So they committed to him, and the Jags are a team we haven't spoke about them yet. They're a team that had over $76 million in cap space available coming into today, and they're spending their money too. And they legally have to spend it. I think that's the best part about the NFL. I mean, over a certain amount of time, when you have that much salary cap, you have to spend a a percentage of it. So if you're going to spend it, you might as well ball out like they're doing. The Jacksonville's spending a ton of money. Well, and I think it's very good for the league in general that they have that that in place in the CBA and, and with the agreement with these teams, only because of the fact that it keeps more uh, parity to the NFL. We get to see a team like Jacksonville with a lot of additions. I'm not saying they're going to be a Super Bowl champion next year, but they made a lot of good moves over the last two days in addition to another year of Brock Osweiler and their dynamite receiving core that they've developed over the last couple of years. Where all of a sudden, maybe Jacksonville's an an outside in on a wild card. Hey, they play in an awful division. They do. They uh, They certainly have a chance. And everyone handed the Colts the Super Bowl last year, and they were awful. So you never know what can happen in the division. We watched Jacksonville a couple times. They played the Jets last year. They're a rising team, a very young team. They brought in Julius Thomas last year. Blake Borders looks like, as you were talking about, could be a guy that could take the next step in his third year now. How crazy is that Blake Borders going to his third year already? Well, it's unbelievable. And and the thing about Blake Borders is, is, you know, it's been a slow progression with him. And I think Jaguars fans and the Jaguars front office were a little frustrated earlier last season that he didn't develop the way they wanted him to. But at the end of last season, he was playing really good football. And I think he showed the Jaguars front office and the Jaguars team and the fans that they have a quarterback moving forward. They're spending some money. They're putting a team around them. couple free agency quick hits. Mario Williams signed a two-year deal. He leaves the Buffalo Bills of the AFC East. And, hey, he goes to the AFC East. He goes to the Miami Dolphins. I thought it was a good move by Miami, but, you know, they let Vernon go. They bring in Mario Williams. They pay him a ton of money. But now he's on the same defensive line as Ndongovan Sue. Just totally botched his name. I'm so bad at saying Sue's first name. Nadamakong. Donkey Kong Sue, as I've called him on the air before. But a pretty good move, I thought. You know, low-risk, kind of high-reward deal. Bills caught him because he didn't fit in their system. What do you think of that one? I thought it was was a good move, right price they brought him in. Well, you knew they weren't going to pay a guy like Vernon 
$52 million guaranteed at the defensive end position. But for $7.5, $8 million, you get a guy who has been an all-pro in the past. He, he, he didn't play terrible last year, but you mentioned it was not a good fit for the Rex Ryan scheme in Buffalo. Excellent move for Miami, really. Saving a lot of money, don't have to pay Vernon, and you're still getting a guy that can be an all-pro type of pass rusher. Here was something that surprised a lot of people too, Dan. Bruce Irvin going to the Raiders. A lot of people thought maybe the Jets would be interested as a guy that could be a possible pass rusher on the outside. Oakland's shaping up to be a pretty good football team. I think they won, what, seven games last year with Derek Carr. They're building. They're, they're building on what they had last year. Now, hey, Peyton Manning retires. Osweiler's gone. Denver's losing some pieces. They might take a step back. That division could be, I'm not going to say winnable, but they're going to be able to compete in that division, I think. Absolutely, and they really competed in it for about Half the season last year, really, they were in that AFC race, a little more than half the season. And I think if you're getting here, the Oakland Raiders, what do you love? The fact that you have a quarterback in Derek Carr that is evolving and really developed last year, too. You mentioned Irvin. I'm surprised that they put out that kind of money to bring him in. Maybe a team like the Jets, you said it rumored to bring him in, but Oakland being very aggressive on the defensive side of the ball. And the other move I thought that was crazy this one actually came down a couple days ago it was DeMarco Murray and his trade he goes to the Tennessee Titans I love that move for Tennessee you give Marcus Mariota some help he doesn't have to shoulder the whole load when you put a guy like him on your center he's still developing he's going to be an outstanding quarterback but Murray's a good running back he was in a terrible situation last year with the Eagles but it's funny when you talk about the Eagles and I know we have a lot of people that listen that are big Eagle fans to this show you know, you look at the Philadelphia Eagles and everything that Chip Kelly did the past couple of years, player personnel-wise, has been shipped out the door within days of free agency of the offseason really heating up. And I think what it's very interesting what the Cleveland Browns are trying to do right now. I'm just running through the notes here. They're not going to cut Johnny Manziel to the end of the week because they hopeful that they might find a trade partner. <laughs> Good luck. Well, I Johnny think, Manziel was out partying last night well, <laughs> at uh, One Oak in Los Angeles. That I can confirm. Well, I think just the thing with Johnny Manziel and what the Cleveland Browns are trying to do, are they hoping that a team gets so desperate looking for a quarterback, like if the, the Broncos or even a team like the Jets, if they lose Fitzpatrick, would get so desperate at the quarterback position that they would trade a draft pick to bring in Johnny Manziel? There is a better Come chance on. of you no, playing no a game chance. in the NFL, of you just playing a game, being on a team. Than Johnny Manziel getting traded for anything. He's got I mean, no value. I guess it's smart what they're trying to do, but, I mean, they're not finding a trade point. It would have happened already. There is no team that will take a flyer on Johnny Manziel in 2016. It's not going to happen. <laughs> He's too troubled. There's too much baggage going on there. There's a legal, uh, there's legal stuff going on with him and the abuse against his girlfriend from last month. It's not something a team's going to take on. Oh, it's right been now. a disaster. It's been a nightmare. It's been a PR nightmare. He's for hanging the out with Browns. Scott Disick at clubs in Vegas. There's no reason for a team to take that chance. He's going to be cut by the Cleveland Browns. Think about how bad of an optic that is. Scott Disick. I mean, the guy's a party animal. Well, just, we, and Johnny Manziel's hanging out well, with Johnny him. Well, Johnny Manziel's a party animal. I just, I think it's funny that they're hopeful that they could find a trade partner. With who? An NFL team or a Canadian team? Like, are you? No team in the league is going to take a flyer on. There's you. a better chance Tim Tebow plays again in the NFL than I, Manziel I, gets traded. I agree with that. I would go on record and agree with. I, there is no chance that Johnny Manziel plays in 2016. Probably a slim chance he plays in 2017. Honestly, yeah. I mean, he's got to get his life straightened out. You're not giving the keys to him ever so as what, a quarterback. So if it's going to be at least a year or so before he plays, what team is going to take a flyer on him? Exactly. It's there's, not going to happen. There's going to be some sort of suspension coming. There has to be. There has to be. And and I think I think that's still that's a story that's still unfolding with Johnny Manziel. No team is going to take a flyer on him. He's going to end up getting cut 
at the end of the week. I just don't understand where he would go. Another guy that was rumored to possibly be involved with the Jets, Adam Pacman Jones. He goes back three years with the Bengals. Jets still need a corner. They do. They're going to need to sign someone. They're going to sign someone either really cheap or wait till Antonio Cromartie's value drops even more and then bring him back on a one-year, maybe two, three million dollar contract. But hey, the Jets have a lot of depth in their secondary. You know, Marcus Williams really came onto the scene last year. And when you have Revis, you're only looking for a guy that could contribute. Uh, on the outside, he's not going to have to cover the number ones. They have a good secondary with Calvin Pryor and what they've been able to do building up that secondary since McKagan took over. The Jets are in a decent spot here, so I'm not really concerned about them adding a corner. I mean, Pac-Man Jones is a nice player, but he, he was out of their price zone. Another guy that re-signed, Doug Martin, staying put, re-signed with the Bucks. He was a guy that maybe could have been rumored to either the Jets or Giants, I heard, but ultimately got paid. Did a nice job of getting some money there. $15 million guaranteed, $7.25 million over the first three years of the deal. Wow, that's a lot of money. Another guy, Kobe Fleener. He got $36 million. Crazy. And he needs a haircut. Can he get a haircut? He does need a haircut, but $36 million? Very surprised the market for Kobe Fleener was that high. Me too. Especially this time of year, are you surprised? No, well, that's true. And the Saints do need a, a target desperately. They needed a tight end target after trading away Graham last year. They really didn't have much. They lost Watson. They really needed a guy to fill that role. Colby Fleener, that type of big body type tight end, can catch the catch the ball, uh, can even good in the past in the running game too, blocking thirty six million dollars though seems a little pricey. You look at this free agent class though, overall, I mean we've had we've had some nice players, but I, I I mean John Clayton told us this last week. Not that great of a free agent class, Dan. It really isn't. I mean, there's some nice players, but no one that's like well, like last year you had Revis that became available. He was the well, star. Well, you're right, and I think you had big names. I mean, and I mean, and there's I some nice like, players here, but also, no stars. I feel like this is the first year in a couple of years. Well, really, in a while since I've been watching football, where a free agency class has been not dominated, but the conversation has been so dominated by the quarterbacks. Usually, I mean, these guys usually quarterbacks like uh, franchise quarterbacks they don't hit the free agent market. Not that they're hitting here, but. I mean, the Houston Texans certainly think that Brock Osweiler is a franchise quarterback. You don't give a guy $18 million a year unless you do, you do think so. I mean, but you don't see those guys hit free agency that get that type of money all the time. And it's really been the conversation of where are these quarterbacks going to go because of the fact that the quarterback position is so valuable in today's age in the NFL that you need a quarterback to win in this league. There's really no way around it. And that's why a guy like Brock Osweiler, a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to get so much money. One move that kind of flying under the radar just because he's coming from Cleveland, he's going to Atlanta. That's Alex Mack, really good center, leaves the Browns, signs with the Falcons. Atlanta's another team trying to win when they have this window of Matt Ryan as their franchise right. quarterback. Have to protect him, have to build last that offensive year, line. Their offensive line. Did they start 4-0 or 5-0 last year? They, I think they were 5-0. They were 5-0. And, and it just blew up. It blew up. Their offensive line was brutal. They had, I think they had three or four botched snaps under center last year. Just in just botched snaps between uh, the center, whoever their center was last year, and Matt Ryan. So they bring in Max, an upgraded center. And he gets to leave Cleveland. And he gets to leave Cleveland, which seems to be a great thing for anyone nowadays. Cleveland's lost two offensive linemen now. Uh, They lost, uh, I think, a receiver. They've lost so many players already. I was very surprised that they weren't more active today. The Browns? I thought, I thought the Browns would be a little more Well, maybe more because they have a, a baseball uh, GM or a former baseball um, well, no, front right. office member running the organization. No, but it's, I really thought if there was a team I said that would be aggressive today, 
I wouldn't have thought the Jaguars. I wouldn't have even thought the Giants. I would have thought the Cleveland Browns. Just to add, get some positive attention, new new ownership. Remember the Jets? New, not new ownership, new GM. The Jets had it last year. McCagan came out there and started spending, brought in good players. I thought we'd see kind of the same thing with the Browns, but you know the Browns also continue to act like the Cleveland Browns and do everything were do everything backwards. It's been it's been the story for a long time there. Travis Benjamin was the receiver that left Cleveland right. to go to the San Diego Chargers. So Phillip Rivers gets a deep ball threat. But just looking at it overall, Dan, I mean, it was a busy day one, but it's kind of what we were saying. A lot of the talk is about what will happen with the quarterbacks. As you were saying, RG3. It's a huge story. Colin Kaepernick. Obviously, we spent 20 minutes talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick. What's happening with the quarterbacks has dominated the headlines and the only move we've had involving those quarterbacks was the stunner of Brock Osweiler leaving the Super Bowl champion Broncos and taking the money and going to the Houston Texans. And really the definition of taking the money. I mean, this guy could have taken over. We talked about it. The defending Super Bowl champions, and he decides to walk, takes the money elsewhere. And a guy, another guy you just referenced, Colin Kaepernick, he's not a free agent, so a team would have to acquire him. Do you think he moves, or is Chip Kelly... Are they going to work out their differences? Are the 49ers and Colin Kaepernick going to work out their differences? And are, is Chip Kelly going to put him under center next If I'm year? Chip Kelly, I would give Kaepernick a chance. I because you're paying him a lot of money. What? Why not see what he has? Exactly. Why trade the guy when he could still be valuable? And he, everyone is saying, and it's visibly obvious when you talk about it from a schematic standpoint, he's a great fit in Chip Kelly's offense. Why not take a chance with him? I mean, if Nick Foles in Chip Kelly's offense can throw 27 touchdowns and only two picks— Colin Kaepernick has a lot more physical talent than Nick Foles does, and he's been to a Super Bowl. Why not tap into that and see if you could revitalize his career? I think it makes all the sense in the world and to give him a shot. And it's the only team, really, that I look at that would be a good fit for Colin Kaepernick. When I look at the league and the coaches in place, the offensive coordinators and the offensive schemes that teams are running, and I look at what Chip Kelly's going to bring to the 49ers, he's a perfect fit. Why not take a chance? You mentioned it. You're already paying him the big money. Give him a chance to run Chip Kelly's offense, and if it doesn't work from there, you wipe your hands clean and you try something else. But I think it would be foolish to trade him away now and not even take a chance of what he could bring to Chip's offense. No, you make a great point, and we'll see what they end up doing. If Colin Kaepernick became available, I mean, we know Denver's got an opening. I hope it's not the Jets, but the Jets might have an opening. I hope not. I mean, we'll certainly find out. But that's going to conclude part one of the latest Asman and Budic show, Free Agent Frenzy. Obviously, if you're listening to the show, you know about this Peyton Manning fella calling it quits. And, of course, Calvin Johnson made it official earlier this week. He's retiring as well. So we'll reflect on both of those guys right after this right here on the Asman and Budic show. Unflippable, unflappable, unleakable. The Gusbuster is the only umbrella that won't flip inside out, rip, tear, or leak. Capable of withstanding winds over 55 miles per hour. All of our umbrellas are constructed of the finest quality materials and backed by a limited lifetime guarantee. What are you waiting for? Visit GusBuster.com and get your Gusbuster today. From the East Coast to the West Coast, it's the Asman and Budic Show from Los Angeles, California. The Asman and Budic Show is presented by Wings Over Ithaca and Gus Buster Umbrellas. Welcome back to the Asman and Budic Show. Dan Budic alongside Jake Asman. We just recapped a little bit of day one of NFL Oh, we broke it all down. We, we broke it all down. We got into it. 
Other news, though. Ryan Fitzpatrick has not signed with the Jets as we sit here and, and, and do this. Yeah, after the within the break, Ryan Fitzpatrick has not signed anywhere. He's it wasn't just you, I mean, the people listening don't know how long the break was. We could have just had Chipotle and came back. That's true. We almost did. We almost did, but we didn't. We're Peyton, here. Other NFL news today, uh, this week, Peyton Manning announced his retirement on Monday. Really an emotional uh, post uh, emotional ceremony he had in Denver. And it's the end of a legacy. Peyton Manning retired 539 touchdowns. He threw for over 71,000 passing yards, almost 72,000. Completed 65.5% of his passes. Any and he's a two-time record. Super Bowl champion. He basically has it. He's done it all. He's, a, he's one of the great quarterbacks that we've seen play. And he's an unbelievable quarterback, and he will be remembered as one of the great ones of Well, all since I started watching the NFL, he's all I've known. And I've said this before about Derek Jeter. When Derek Jeter retired, when I started watching baseball, Derek Jeter was all I've known. Basketball, Kobe Bryant, he was all I've known. And now all three of those guys have either called it quits or are going to call it quits once their current season ends. And it's kind of a sad day for sports. You know, Peyton Manning, say whatever you want about the guy. Um, if you're a Patriots fan, you think differently of him than I do as a Jets fan. But as a football fan, Peyton Manning's impact on the game of football will never be surpassed. You know, he, he made the NFL, uh, you know, w- what it was. He was a big part of it. He helped change it to a passing league. He changed the way play calls are designed. He changed the way offenses are run. He was essentially another coach on the field. He called his own plays. He called his own offense. And he was one of the most dominant quarterbacks I will probably ever watch. You know, people try to get on him saying he can't do this, he can't do that. But at the end of the day, Peyton Manning has more wins, 200 of them, more than anyone, more than Brett Favre at 199, has the all-time wins record. Peyton Manning's a winner. And at the end of the day, when you look at Peyton Manning's career, we're talking about a guy that might go down. You can make a case. I don't think he is personally, but you can make a case he's the best ever when you look at everything. And hats off to Peyton Manning. Great career. Well, represented the NFL the way you want it to be represented. Certainly when you look at regular season careers, he's statistically the best quarterback ever. Obviously, you look at Tom Brady and the fact that he has two more Super Bowls. Uh, he's been to six of them, won four of them. I mean, that's an amazing accomplishment. And personally, if, if I'm talking about the greatest quarterback I ever watched, I would say just from a championship standpoint and how big he was in, in, in Super Bowls and in AFC Championship games, I would say Brady. But as far as a career, regular season, the numbers he put up and watching him do it in such a dominating fashion, you cannot deny that Peyton Manning, one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, no one ran an offense like him. He was, as John Gruden calls him, the sheriff. And the NFL will certainly miss Peyton Manning. And the thing with Peyton Manning is you could talk about his statistics. You know, I think he's the best regular season quarterback I've ever watched. But the way he handled himself, you know, the way he represented the league, you know, Peyton Manning, and I know you have this stuff with the Tennessee and all that, but that's 20 years ago, and we don't know the whole story there. But And we'll never know the whole story. And you won't. And, and I'm going to take Peyton Manning at his word. I'm sorry. When he says he doesn't do something, I'm going to believe Peyton Manning because there's a lot of faults in that story that's already been leaked about what went down in Tennessee. Peyton Manning represented the league the right way. He was enjoyable to watch. He was funny. He Honestly, Peyton Manning hosted probably my favorite SNL ever. He had a, a bunch of memorable scenes in that SNL appearance that he made. I'm sure he'll host it again at some point in his life. But, I mean, you can't say enough great things about Peyton Manning. He was the anti-Brady in my mind. You know, I rooted for him. when He beat Brady when it mattered on his way to another Super Bowl. And that's why we wanted to see him win this last one because 2-2 two and two in the Super Bowl – Looks a whole lot better than what 1-4 would have looked like. And at the end of the day, Peyton Manning has every passing record on the planet. 
But he meant so much more than just statistics. He was a great player, one of the best I'll probably ever watch. And he got to take two teams to two separate Super Bowls, won two Super Bowls, won a Super Bowl with two different franchises. I mean, he is will forever be remembered as an Indianapolis Colt, but we talked about it after the Super Bowl. He has cemented his legacy as a Denver Bronco, and good for him. He will be the first quarterback that you will ever think of being a part of two franchises. Really, if you think of a franchise, an all-time great, you normally associate them with one franchise. Peyton, you can make the argument you could associate him with two franchises. No question. I mean, the final moment of Peyton Manning's career is him hoisting a Lombardi trophy, wearing a Denver Bronco hat, a Super Bowl champion hat. Peyton Manning did it. He went to two Super Bowls with the Broncos. He won an MVP with the Broncos. The year he threw 55 touchdown passes in a regular season. That's absurd. I mean... Any passing record, and I've said this, we'll say it again, it's pretty much Peyton Manning. You know, you look at what he's been able to do. He threw seven touchdowns in the game once. I mean, that's just absurd what this guy was able to do on a football field. My favorite Peyton Manning stat, though, is this. You look at Tom Brady throughout his whole career. He's had Bill Belichick, arguably the greatest football coach of our generation, standing on the sidelines watching Tom Brady play for his entire career. Peyton Manning has had four different coaches he's taken to a Super Bowl. He's the only one that's ever happened. Peyton Manning, yes, he had Dungy earlier in his career, but he went to Super Bowls with the guys like John Fox, with Gary Kubiak. Um, I mean, you look at what Peyton Manning's been able to do, he's done it a lot of times without your prototypical Hall of Fame coach. Hats off to him. You're right. Another guy who retired this week came out yesterday. Rather, well, somewhat surprising. We heard rumors of this about a month ago. Calvin Johnson has called retirement at the age of 30. He finished his career 731 receptions, 11,619 receiving yards, and 83 touchdowns. This is one of the great receivers that I've gotten a chance to watch in my life. And at the age of 30, he retires with, really, he could have turned out, left $64 million on the table for the next three years. Calvin Johnson calling it retirement. Very, very surprising. This guy has still at, all, still at the top of his game as far as a receiver. Clearly one of the best wide receivers of this era. And you look what he's been able to do in I Detroit Megatron. without really any great quarterback play for definitely the beginning of his career. But Matthew Stafford was always up and down. And he put up great numbers year after year. He's got the record for most receiving yards in a single season. I mean, Calvin Johnson was an outstanding player. And he, he didn't play that well. He only played nine seasons. No, and you, you look at what he's been able to do without the prototypical great quarterback or playing on some great teams, and I just hope that it doesn't get put against him. He gave it all for nine years in the NFL, and I have respect for a guy that's willing to walk away and leave that kind of money on the table. But when you look at Calvin Johnson's career, you know, when he was out there, you knew he was a number one wide receiver. There was a reason why they called him Megatron. Just a tremendous talent, and listen, the NFL is going to miss him, but we'll always remember him because no one knows what a catch is, and it all started in that day in Chicago. The Calvin Johnson rule, they called it. What was that, we hear that all the time. three years ago, four years More, ago? More, I think that was 2010. That was 2010 already? Time wow. flies, yeah. It was opening day, I remember. It was 2010? Wow, it's a Crazy. long time ago, and it's hard to believe only nine seasons for Calvin Johnson before he retires, but still, I mean, he, he won, he's got, I think he's fourth-ranked among receiving yards for a receiver in their first nine seasons. That's how good he was for the Detroit Lions for nine seasons. Well, what happens now? I mean, the Lions, they lost Barry Sanders at his age 30 season. Now Calvin Johnson's gone. If you're a Lions fan, that's got to be crushing to hear. Your star receiver calling it quits when he's still at the pinnacle of his game. I mean, he just turned 30. 
I mean, what? not many athletes retire at the age of 30. I mean, Brandon Marshall's 31, and look at the year he just had for the Jets. Brandon Marshall's 31. We saw Gerard Mayo retire. What was he, 30 or 31? Yeah, 30. So, uh, you know, it seems like some of these guys, they get Patrick to 30. Patrick Willis at age 30. Seems They're like starting some, to see a trend here. Starting to see a trend, and I think Calvin just, you know, didn't want to go through the going back to playing and didn't want to go through OTAs and didn't want to go through any of the maybe rehab he had to do for any injuries. He just had enough, and you got to respect a guy that he could call it quits at the age of 30 because— I tell you one thing. If I'm Calvin Johnson, I'm not retiring at 30. How much do you think playing with a team that he, has only been in the playoffs once in his but life? To leave $64 million on the table. Do you think he was just. Do you, do you think if he played it with a great team, if he played with Tom Brady, I don't do you know. think he retires? It's hard for me. It's hard to say. I don't know. But I just know that if he had $64 million coming to him that he left hanging around. And he's the type of guy that they're not going to cut. I mean, he's the face of the franchise. Oh, no. Calvin Johnson He's getting that money. Oh, for all intents and purposes, he probably would have been a Detroit Lions lifer, or at least till the very end of his career, would have been a lifer in Detroit. Really the face of that franchise. And a lot of people question the move when they took him second overall in that draft, but, I mean, what else can you say? He's been dominant. He's one of the best wide receivers of our generation. Yep, so Calvin Johnson retires and Peyton Manning retires. Real A week full of a lot going on in the National Football League. When does it ever stop today? with the football, National well, Football this, League? Well, this week was, an, was a crazy football week, and we're in, we're in March, and it was a crazy football See, week. See, the NFL, the, and before we wrap up, we'll talk about this. You know, in the NFL, what they have done so well is the fact that, you know, football's become a 365, you know, 12-month-a-year sport. You know, we talk about the storylines and all the games while the season's going on. Then you have the free agent frenzy, which we're doing, discussing right now. Then you have the draft. You talk about the draft. Then you have OTAs, training camp. It never really stops with the NFL. I mean, they turned the scouting combine into a week-long event. I mean, the NFL knows how to sell their product, and this country loves football. And they love football, and really the NFL and really America together has made professional football, you said it, 12 months of the year, 365. Football is everywhere. The National Football League is everywhere. It never stops. There really is no offseason. No, there football really league. isn't. And listen, I love it. You know, we're both big Jeff fans. I live and die with my football team, and I just think football is the perfect, uh, the perfect sport for television. It's the perfect sport because it's only played once a week. You have time to let the storylines develop. You know, as aspiring sports talk host. You look at football, and there's always something to talk about. You right. know, there's there always, always is, something going on. There's always news going on, and just this week alone, the retirements, free agency, all the guys that are changing teams. It was definitely a crazy week in the National Football League. Really, probably the next crazy four or five days, because there's still a lot of guys, that pieces that need to fall, questions that need to be answered for teams, trades, what's going to happen with Colin Kaepernick? Where's a guy like Robert Ayers going to fall? Former Giant, are the Giants going to pay him and bring him back, or is he going to go elsewhere? A lot of guys still on the market. And obviously the biggest story, Jets, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the story that we're concerned about, will I'm sure be commenting on this on a later episode of the podcast. But Absolutely, and you know, time will tell what happens with that. It's been a lot of fun. Another show here in Los Angeles. Let's give a shout-out to Dean Gajewski and Dean Roberts once again for giving us this wonderful equipment that we've been using. It's been a, a lot of fun doing the show here in L.A., and I mean, what's better than this L.A. weather? I mean, today it was, uh, what was it? It was like 70 degrees today. It was very nice today. Today was beautiful. Also, it was very nice in Ithaca, New York today. It was. 75 degrees. What the hell? What the heck's going on out there? I guess it was nicer in Ithaca today than it was in L.A. It really was. That's how you know there's some sort of global warming going on. 75 degrees in early March in in, uh, in Ithaca, New York. Jack Powers, one of our uh, fabulous professors, actually tweeted. I saw this earlier before we started recording this podcast. He had to put his AC on in his house in Ithaca, New York. 
That's 78 degrees that's in his house. Hard to believe that this time of year in Ithaca, New York, it's that warm. It really is hard to believe. It's crazy. It's 75 degrees. Madness. It was, ju- it, was ju- it was a little cooler here. I'll take the, the weather in LA, though. I would overall. I mean, I would take... <laughs> The weather out here for uh, for a long period of time than the weather in Ithaca. Yeah, no an anomaly with 75 degrees. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying the hot tub in the pool that we have here. But eh, we'll talk about that another time. Dan, it's been a lot of fun, my friend. They can get you on Twitter at... At Dan Budick, of course. I'm at Jake Asman. You can follow the show's account at Asman Budick Show. Like us on Facebook. Make sure you check out our new SoundCloud page. We're going to be posting interviews, segments, and Clips. some good stuff from the, the latest podcast. But thanks for joining us, everybody. So long. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening to the Asman and Budic Show. To keep up with the guys, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter with the handle at Asman Budic Show.